0: Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. Somebody glad that I'm back and ready to preach the word. Somebody say Amen. <laughs> I love it when I go to uh, Ethiopia because the women there they go. La, 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 la. <laughs> First time they did that, that just freaked me out. I like, What was that? But that's like saying sick him to a dog. That's what that was. I'm like, Oh man, this is this is good. Man, I missed you. I I mean, I did. I I really missed. Um, I am. Um, I am not a missionary by trade. Uh, I'll share a little bit about that uh, a little bit later here, um, I, I, how we even ended up in Ethiopia. But um, I was in Ethiopia and and truly just, God, you called us to come here, so I'm gonna come and we're gonna serve these people with everything that we got. Um, but I, I'm a homebody <laughs> and I, I, I like coming Home, like I like bedlam. I know it didn't turn out well for some, and some it did. Really, honestly, for either team, it was just terrible, wasn't it? Like after the first quarter, it's like, what just happened? Like, As everything, but but I when 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 the game came on, I was like, I just like being home. Uh, anybody like being home? You just you're a homebody. Okay, good. I think that is a, a true statement about. Oh, anybody like traveling? Traveling. Okay, you just signed up for the Guatemala mission trip. All right, Dad, look at all those people that are going to Guatemala. Yes, Lord. Somebody like, what just happened? What just happened? That was the sound of money coming out of your pocketbook. <laughs> going to Guatemala. All right, you got a Bible? Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 10, a copy of the scriptures. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, uh, a couple of uh, apps that will help you out. U um, version Bible Hub. I use both; of those are great. And uh, it's on U version that you'll find our our daily devotion. That's one of our core practices: is daily devotions. It goes right along with the Sunday message. Our, our devotions in the last few weeks have been incredible for me personally. Um, so thankful for those that go right along with what we're sharing. All year, if you're part of Core Church, uh, you know this. But if you're new, our word for this year has been inconvenient faith. That convenient christianity is the enemy of your soul like convenience is the enemy of your soul like i i i can testify to inconvenience i mean when you go to ethiopia you are brushing your teeth with bottled water it's bottled water on everything you're so careful on everything when i got i got back into the states i was in new york city i just drank straight out of the tap of new york city i was like give me some of that water because I like convenience. I, 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 like, uh, I, I like having the Internet that works. doesn't always work there. I, I like having heating and air. And they most people there don't have heating. I, I like convenience. Anybody like convenience? I like being convenienced. But, but, but here's the thing. If, if you want to follow Jesus, it's never going to be convenient. It's not going to be easy. The road to following Jesus, he said, deny yourself. There you go right there. That's real convenient, isn't it? Deny yourself, your own selfish desires, and think about other people. Take up your cross. Oh, there's something that's super convenient right there. And he says, and then follow me. It's, it's not easy, but it is the best thing you can do with your life is to push back convenience and push into those things that are inconvenient. Those are always the best for your life and following Jesus is is all about a pursuit and a passion for him and and so uh, if you're new to to core church we have these eight practices and practice we say it this way practice doesn't make perfect practice makes progress we're all trying to become a little bit more like Jesus every day and and these practices they don't save us but they they're a guide and they 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 help keep that passion for Jesus alive and and they're a good gauge for us and I was, this is what I shared by the way with our Ethiopian brothers and sisters. I I cannot tell you, I did not know or realize that the people that were gonna be in the room that I was training were some of the top leaders, denominational leaders in the Church of the Nazarene for all of Ethiopia were sitting in the room and they're now taking the eight practices all over Ethiopia. They're gonna be teaching it to pastors in ministry schools now. This This is incredible what God is doing. Glad five of you are excited about that. I am absolutely fired up about that. I mean, we are taking the gospel to the world. That's who we are, and that's what we are capable of as a church. So these eight practices all year we've been calling them the inconvenient practices, because how many of you know that doing those daily devotions ain't always easy? Surrendering isn't easy. Sharing Christ isn't easy. And we're on this one called inconvenient serving. Sacrificial serving is one of our, our core practices and but we're talking about how it's not easy to serve it's never convenient it's never at a good time if you're looking for a good time it's not a good time never happens when when you feel good never happens when you have enough energy it's always when your energy is depleted your resources are depleted and your time is depleted and that's when God says all right now I'm ready for you to serve and that's why we call it sacrificial serving because we're different than the world we're different than the world we push back on our selfish desires because we know this world is jacked up and messed up because of selfishness, because of narcissism, because, because we always think about ourselves, but as followers of Jesus, we know, no, no, we're gonna push back on that and we're gonna do the one thing that we don't wanna do because we know that's gonna make our life better and it's gonna make other people's lives better, amen? So I want to thank Blaine and Jeff for helping us in this series. They did an amazing job. Can you just thank those guys for stepping in? Such great friends of mine. So let's talk today. I want to talk about serving in the shadows. Serving in the shadows. Luke chapter 10. If you're new to the scriptures, Luke was not one of the disciples, but he followed the disciples around. Talked to a lot of people and wrote down the accounts of Jesus' life. He saw Jesus, knew Jesus, and... So he wrote down the stories and in luke chapter 9 one chapter earlier jesus says sent out the 12 disciples sent them out to cast out demons to heal the sick even raise the dead do do these miraculous things and and now we read this in verse 10 in chapter 10 excuse me chapter 10 verse 1 the lord now chose 72 other disciples and he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit so he started with 12 but his ministry is growing so now he's got 72 and these were his instructions. He's like, the harvest, it's great. He's like, the ministry is growing, people. we got to reach some more people. The workers, they're, they're few. He says, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go. And remember, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Then he has this strange instruction. He says, don't take any money with you. Not a traveler's bag. That would disqualify Laura because you used to see the bag she took to Ethiopia. I'm not kidding you, one bag they put on, they, they, they picked it up, set it back down, got a tag out and put the word heavy on it. So she, she wouldn't be able to do this. Don't, don't take an extra pair of sandals. I'm out, I'm out. If I can't take an extra pair of shoes, I love my shoes. I love a good shoe game. Every preacher needs a good shoe game. Every person needs a good shoe game. I don't think I could go. Don't don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Some of y'all like that part. You're like, I don't have to talk to anybody. That's fantastic. There's no 60-second connection time. I'm in, Jesus. Take me there. So they go, and they do all that Jesus has commanded them to do. Then they come back. Look at verse 17. Go down there. It says this. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Let's talk about serving in the shadows. Father, we're so grateful for your word to help us us to understand today. God has a word for you, church. He has a word for you. So you just got to open up your heart, open up your soul, open up your mind right now. Just ask God, what word do you have for me? I'm listening. I'm ready. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. All right, you may be seated. Let's go back to, to verse 1. Let's, let's go back to the beginning of this chapter where it says, The Lord now chose 72. He chose 72 what? Other. He chose 72 other disciples. So this is not the 12. He sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and the places that he planned to visit. Now, think about this. We don't know their names. Like, we know the 12, and we know all about them, but now they're 72, and, and, and they, don't, they don't get any cred. They, they, they don't get listed at all they're in fact well they're listed they're listed as other like there ain't no social media post or anything like you know serving the sick in galilee hashtag seventy two <laughs> no we don't we don't know anything about that these are men and women that served in the shadows. nobody knows their name this is uh Exactly what it was like when I was in Ethiopia. I cannot tell you how overwhelmed and humbled Laura and I both were by the men and women there that are serving in the shadows. It, people will never know their story and they'll never know their name. And, uh, there was one lady we met. I, I, she's like the Mother Teresa of Ethiopia. She's an amazing lady. She helps run a ministry for 52,000 orphans affected by HIV. Not just that, but she adopted a, a dying woman's child. This child was seven years old, raised that child. That child is now in the local university. If that's not enough, six weeks ago, she donated one of her kidneys to her sister. These, these are the kind of people that are serving in the shadows. I, my interpreter for the week, his name is Thomas Amazing man, and just in one of the breaks, he just casually mentioned to me uh, about him and his wife and their ministry in southern Ethiopia, and his wife uh, likes to minister to the orphans in the, in the streets, and she will often bring them into the home, and she'll, she'll wash their clothes. She will, she will feed them. The neighbors don't like it, so they've had to move three different times, but his wife says, I don't care how many times we have to move, I'm going to keep serving the orphans. Who, who does that? I'll tell you who does that, Thomas and his wife, serving in the shadows. Went to lunch with one of the, the, the leaders there in the Nazarene denomination. He, he was shot for his faith. He's sharing the faith, his faith. He gets shot. They think he's dead. They leave him for dead. He's not dead. Somehow he miraculously recovers. What does he do? Goes right back to the same people that shot him. I, who died? Not me. You shoot me. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> I ain't got that in me. I, I, I mean, I, I, I just, I no, I didn't know what to say to this guy. I'm like, what do you say about where I live and what I do and the suffering I have for Jesus? <laughs> this gets really hot in Oklahoma. <laughs> what do you say to that? I was, I was completely overwhelmed at, uh, when I got to go to lunch with one of our house church pastors. Uh, we have two uh, traditional style churches, uh, one that's getting ready to start, and then we have four house churches and many more in our house church movement there that are starting, and most of them are underground. In fact, we can't even show you uh, his face or the... People that are in his church for fear of persecution, because where they are is highly Islamic, and it's Islamic extremists who, if they find out that they're Christian, uh, they will beat them. There's threats on their lives. They will lose their homes. They'll lose their families. They'll they'll have to move. Um, and, and this pastor started his church about um, six weeks, six months ago. Everybody comes one at a time. Think about this. You, you, I don't have enough time to even go into all this kind of stuff, but just (laughs) let this sink in for just a moment. You got up. I got up. I got dressed for church, got in the car, drove across town. Was there anybody shooting at you on the way to church today? Was there anybody stopping you? They come one at a time so no one figures out what they're doing. And then after the service, they leave one at a time. Oh, and did I mention that the pastor of this house church is like 70 years old? I don't know what your excuse is for not serving the Lord, but this guy decided he's going to start a church, and he's 70 years old. These are the men and women that are serving in the shadows. And this is who we are at Core Church. Like, we are a people that are committed to serving in the shadows. What I, I saw in Ethiopia and what I talked to those pastors about that I, was, I, I realized was that you are born in a certain place, in a certain region, with a certain color to your skin, with a certain language, with a certain predisposition, because that is where God needs you. Okay, it, it ain't about anything other than you're here because people in Oklahoma, in the Tulsa area, somebody needs you. You have a job, you have a neighborhood, you have a place that God put you because somebody needs Jesus. That's why you're here. That's where you are where you are. And I was talking to our, my interpreter and I said, you know, I don't know why God did this, but he birthed you on the front lines. I'm not on the front lines. I'm not taking the shots that these people are taking. But what I said to him, is, I said, for some reason, God knew and he put in you the tenacity and the strength and, and, and the skin of a rhino that you could, you could handle it. He knew you could handle it, and that's why he put you there. So he's put you where he's put you because that's where he needs you. What happens so often in churches is that um, you have like 10 people that are serving in the spotlight, and hundreds are applauding in the shadows. Very few are actually serving. They're just applauding the few, but what I love about Court Church, it's not that way here. It's, if you're new, it's, it's the opposite of that here. And I mean, at Court Church, it's about hundreds of people serving in the shadows. You're serving in the shadows all over our city and all over different places, and nobody really knows your name. Nobody really understands or even knows what you're, what you're doing. There's only a few people standing in the spotlight applauding and noticing what you do, but you don't care because that's not why you're doing it. Because that's who we are as the people of God. We're committed to serving in the shadows. We don't need the spotlight. We don't need the attention. We don't need the gratification. All we need to know is my God sees me and the person I'm serving sees me because it matters to God and it matters to the person you're doing it to. So that begs the question okay, I, I mean, where do I serve? That's what, for many of us, that's what trips us up right to be. I, I don't even know where to, who do I, who do I serve? That's a great question. And here's a really good question. How do I know that that's what God wants me to do? This must have been some of the same questions these 72 people were, were wrestling with. Like, uh, imagine, imagine trying to follow the twelve. Like you've just seen Jesus commission and send out the twelve, and now he picks you to go out and do the same thing? Are you kidding me? How many of you have ever heard of Peter Myers? Raise your hand if you know who Peter Myers is. Like two people, one person. I I I love basketball. I didn't even know who Peter Myers was. Peter Myers is the guy who replaced Michael Jordan. When Michael Jordan retired from the Chicago Bulls, in step Peter Myers. Can you imagine that for him? I'm going to step in for the greatest of all time. And then he retires. You know what happened to Peter Myers? He went back to the bench. Because this is a go. It's the greatest of all time. I think this is how so many of us feel when it comes to serving or making an impact for the kingdom of God, you feel like a bench warmer at best. I like, I, I'm just like the 72 who feel like the others, that I'm, I'm, just, I'm just filling in. You don't feel qualified. You don't, you don't feel like you, I don't have the resources. I, I don't have the look. I don't have the voice, I don't don't have the means, and I can't do what other people are doing. But I want to tell you this, and I want you to really hear this, because I think this is so critical, is that serving isn't reserved for just the ministry professionals. You know why? Because every single one of us are called into full-time ministry. Come on, turn to somebody right now and tell them, you're in full-time ministry. You are in full-time ministry ministry. Now I know I say that and I can look at, I can just see it in your face and somebody will be like, uh, no, Pastor, you're in full time ministry. <laughs> and you're right, I am. I'm in full time pastoral ministry. You might be in full time sales ministry. You might be in full-time dental ministry or plumbing ministry or heating and air ministry. You you might be in in full-time education ministry. You might be in in full-time forklift ministry. You might be in full-time campus ministry. But listen, we say this often around here. We are all missionaries on mission, and we are all assigned to a mission field. And it says in the scriptures that the Lord chose the 72. They didn't pick themselves. This is what's so great. You don't have to worry about it because God is looking for people and he's choosing people. And he says, I choose you. Like, if you feel like other, if you feel less than, if you feel like, you know, this guy Peter Myers, if you feel like that, guess what? God is coming. Jesus is tapping you on the shoulder and he says, I choose you. I want to send you. You, turn to somebody and tell them you are fully qualified. You are fully qualified. I like it back in verse 4, he, he, they, okay, you're all going. And then he says, oh, by the way, don't, don't take any money with you. Don't take an extra bag. Don't take some shoes. We see in verse 17 that all they had was the name of Jesus. Because all they needed was the name and the power behind that name, and that is all you need. Jesus said this in in John's Gospel, John 14, 13, Jesus said this, some of you know this so well, you can ask for anything in what? Say what? My name. Ask anything in my name. Now here, and he says, and what? I will do it. The the, the problem with the scriptures, where the reason it's not happening for you many times is because you're asking it in your name. This is what I want. This is what I would like to do. This is where I want to be. This is what I want. I don't want to give that up because I want this. God, will you do this for me? So often our prayers are me, me focused instead of him focused. He says, ask him my name. Guess what? I'm going to do it. All you need is the name and the power that backs up that name. So after service today we're going to be having that guatemala mission trip meeting i, I hope m- many of you will go to that meeting and discover I, I think every person should at one point or another travel to another country you get, expose yourself to what's happening in other parts of what happens is when you stay in your own little circle in your own little area you can tend to become very self absorbed and become very narcissistic and it becomes all about me and my people and the way things are and we begin to get comfortable but when you get outside of that, you realize how big the world is and what is needed out there. So I encourage you that. If God is stirring in you at all, you don't have to sign up today but to go to that meeting. This past summer, we were in Guatemala. Most of you know Lara's brother is a missionary there. And so we were there, and we were training pastors and leaders there in the eight practices. Did the same thing there. And when we were there, this, it's just like Ethiopia, it's, it's an impoverished area. They, they have nothing. They have nothing and so many of the women who came, who didn't even have husbands, uh, they, they came. Their husbands had left them, and they came with their children because they had nowhere to put their children. We weren't prepared for this, so they show up with their kids at the conference and we're like, we don't have curriculum, we don't have a room, we don't have anything, we don't know what, we have nobody to train or help or do anything with them. You think that stopped Larka? No, she saw those kids, and she took those kids out of the conference room. And she began to minister to them. She doesn't know Spanish. She doesn't know the language. You know what she had? A paper cup and a pen. Look, I I took a picture of it. She had a paper cup and an ink pen. And, 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 And Jesus. A paper cup, a pen, and Jesus will go a long way. Like, she... I don't know how she did it, but these kids, she, she kept them mesmerized for hours with that. Because love is a universal language. Because the, the name of Jesus, he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. It, it, the name of Jesus Crosses all language barriers. It crosses all socioeconomic barriers. It crosses all resource barriers. I don't know what your excuse is for not serving, but if you got the name of Jesus, you got all you need. What, what has God placed in your hand? I want to use what's in your hand. You already have everything that you need. I don't know what you're waiting. So often we're waiting. Well, once God does this, then I'm going to do this. And therefore, your life, you're not doing anything. What has God already given you? Use that and watch him do more with it. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you got to use what's in your hand. Use what's in your hand. Use what's in your hand. We see this over and over in the scriptures countless times i mean most of you are very familiar with the story where jesus fed thousands of people on a hillside when there was no food where did he get that food from we know in scripture it says there was a boy who had a little tiny sack lunch it's all he had was a sack lunch and jesus used it to feed thousands most of you are familiar with the story of david david all he had was a little slingshot some pebbles but god used what was in his hand to slay a giant Elijah, he had nothing but a pot of oil, and God used that to multiply and care for a widow and her son. Moses, all he had was a staff, but God used that staff to part a sea, a staff. What's in your hands? You just got to use what's in your hands, and you got to believe that if there's a sea in front of you, if there's a giant in front of you, if there are no resources in front of you, that somehow, way, God is going to get me where he wants to get me so I can help the people he wants me to help. Yes. I am preaching. Go away more often and come back. Wait, somebody said amen to that. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) There's only only two requirements for serving. Okay, you ready? Write this down. You ready? This is big. I've come all the way from Ethiopia to tell you this (laughs) availability and a willingness. That's it. You don't have to have anything else. Am I available? Am I willing? At the end of every service, we have our sending prayer. You know what it says in the middle of that sending prayer right there near the end? This week, I declare that what? I am available and I'm willing. It's one of the greatest lessons I learned in Guatemala, one of the greatest lessons I learned in Ethiopia. These people have nothing, and they are changing the world. (laughs) They're doing greater things than I could have ever imagined doing. I was so humbled to watch what they're doing, what they're accomplishing, and they have nothing. You just got to use what's in your hand. Jesus is just looking for people who are available. That's all he's looking for. He's looking for people who are willing. In fact, in verse two, he instructed us to to pray this way. Look at verse two. It says, he said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Say this with me. So pray. Pray. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Guess what? We are the workers that he wants to send into the fields. You and I, come on, turn to somebody and say, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. And, and, and the fields, don't, now I know I'm talking about Ethiopia. I know I'm talking about Guatemala. But the fields aren't just halfway around the world listen to this, the field, your field is wherever you find your feet. That is good preaching right there. Your field is wherever you find your feet. That's how God wants to use you, and I, I just want to challenge you to, to when, when you pray that prayer, that sending prayer, man, make, make it a true declaration. In fact, I would encourage you, when that's up on the screen, take a picture, in fact, put it back up on the screen. Get your, get your phones out. Everybody just get your phones out. Get your phones out. We'll be here till noon if y'all don't get your phones out. I want you to take a picture of this sending prayer, because I want, oh, hang on, hang on. One, two, three. <laughs> that was good. All right. I want to challenge you to pray that prayer every day this week. Most of you know I've said it at nausea. I, every morning when I wake up, even before my feet hit the ground, my knees hit the ground. I roll out of bed right to my knees, and I say that prayer every day. Because I desperately want to be used by God. And I want Him to know I am available and I am willing. And I'm looking around for however you want to use me. And I'm telling you, you start praying that prayer, get ready, because God's going to use you. But get ready, because it ain't easy. It's inconvenient. It'll be some of the most inconvenient moments when God will call upon you to serve, when you don't have the time, you don't have the energy, you don't have the resources. I, I, back, back in August, uh, we were getting ready to shoot some videos for um, Core Purpose. Core Purpose is coming up in January, where you will learn about the purpose that God has for you in your life, your gifts, your abilities, your, your personality, your life experiences. Our groups are going to go through that in the month of January, and so we, we recently shot some new videos and updated the curriculum for that. In the day of the video shoot, I before we shot the videos, I wanted to go out and pray, and so I went out on the property, a real short walk because it was hot, and I, I was and I started prayer walking. And praying how God wanted to use me in that and what, what he would do in that and just, just that thing I do. And so I'm out praying and as I come back up the drive, I see a pickup truck parked in that second um, parking lot. And I'm like, "Well, oh, that's interesting. And so I, as I get a little bit closer, I notice that this is a truck that's got a flat tire. So, of course, in that moment, I turned around and I just went the other way because I was praying. <laughs> I didn't uh, need to be inconvenienced. And uh, no, as, as I got closer, I, I noticed that it, it, it was a, uh, a mom, as I met her later, she was a mom, and she had her children with her and no one there to help her to change the tire. And so I, I did what I should do. I, I, I came up and I said, hey, I'm prayer walking. I'm going to be praying for you. And so I... <laughs> no! Talk about inconvenient. I got a film crew waiting to film. I'm dressed for the video shoot. Did I mention it was 110, one of the hottest days of the year? You ever try to do something and not sweat? I'm trying to wrestle this tire and move slow enough. <laughs> trying to keep myself and and and, I mean I'm getting grime all up and down my arms and I my sweat is pouring off of my face my shirt is completely soaked and I get her tire changed and I walk in I go all right guys you ready (laughs) what happened to you It's really funny, though, because we said, I had no change of clothes, so we went and got a box fan. And I was just standing over a box fan going, trying to dry it. So when you watch the video, you'll be like, hey, that's a sweaty shirt right there. (laughs) It's it's not easy. It's going to be inconvenient. But every, every single day, every single day, your life, not just my life, I'm nothing, I'm not special. Oh, pastor just has that touch of the Lord. No, I don't. I'm just a guy that is submitted to the work of God. That I'm a guy that says I have to fight against my selfish tendencies. Because I know, I know me. I am so stinking selfish. I mean, I, 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 I just, so often I'm just, I, we all do it. You start, it just turns inward. And one of the ways to kill that is is to serve. But 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 it's not going to be, but every day your life is intersecting with people that are desperately in the need of the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus. So the question is, are you willing? Are you available? I want to encourage three people around you and tell them, serve in the shadows, serve in the shadows, serve in the shadows. Three people, serve in the shadows, serve in the shadows. Because, you're, you're, listen, you're not the only one who's praying for more workers to go into the fields. So crazy how we even got to Ethiopia. I don't remember if I've shared this or it's been a long time, but how we even ended up in Ethiopia. In, in 2018, I called the John Maxwell Company looking for leadership materials for our church because we wanted to train our leaders. And so I called them and I said, do you guys have some leadership materials we could use in our church? And the lady on the other end of the line said, no, we don't, but, but we do have uh, another opportunity if you'd be interested in it. I was like, oh, what's that? She goes, well, John is uh, training up leaders and pastors like yourself, sending them out all over the world to help share the gospel and teach leadership to pastors and things in, in a lot of impoverished countries. Would you have an interest in that? And I said, No. True statement. No. Because I'm, I'm not a missionary. I, I never in my life, wasn't even on my radar to go to another country. Like, I, I, this is my ministry. She said, well, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Like, well, let's just play your little game here. So I said, uh, I'm thinking, my brother-in-law is missionary in Guatemala. Guatemala. She goes, well. John has already got work going on there. We don't need anyone in Guatemala. I was like, good, great. Thanks, bye. She said, is there anywhere else you would go? I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Um, Well, we have some people in our church, some of you know Todd and Jody Guy, and they have a a home for boys in Ethiopia. And I said, I'd go to, I guess I'd go to, I guess, maybe Ethiopia. (laughs) Silence on the other end of the line. And then... And then I hear this lady start weeping, crying. Like she says, uh, She said, I'm sorry, I'm crying. She said, "Um, I just got off the phone yesterday with our in country coordinator in Ethiopia, and the trainer who was scheduled to come had to back out. And and we didn't know what to do because the conference is already scheduled. And so I told him, Well, we're just going to pray, and God's going to send us somebody. And God sent us you. Oh, don't clap for that. Do not, you know, clap. I know know what y'all are doing. Good, glad it's you, Pastor. Glad it's you. Good for you, Pastor. We cheering you on as you go. (laughs) Are you available and are you willing? I said, okay. And we went. And now we've trained over 300 pastors and leaders and are working with organizations and different people, not just in the capital city, but now it's spreading all over Ethiopia and even into the Horn of Africa. Churches are starting. God is at work, and he's looking for people that are available and who are willing. And here's the thing. There's someone in your field. You don't have to go to Ethiopia. You don't have to go halfway around the world because there's somebody right now in your field. Your field is wherever your feet are. And there's somebody right now, a neighbor, a coworker, a classmate, somebody who's crying out and desperately saying, God, will you help me? And you are the answer to that prayer. And in verse 3, Jesus says this, Now go. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them it's time to move from the seats to the streets. It's time to move from the seats to the streets. Woo! I've been waiting to say that all day. That was, that, that's, I preached it better than you responded. I'm just telling you. <laughs> now go and remember that I'm sending you out as what? Oh, man, come on. Seriously, what I'm sending you out as what? Lambs among wolves. Ah! The devil does not want you serving and bringing the hope, healing, peace, and purpose of Jesus into your field. Amen. He will oppose you every step of the way. He will try to demoralize you. He will try to cut you down. He will do whatever it takes. So, so I'm telling you, count the cost. If you're going to serve, you're going to have an enemy that comes up. Listen, I'm telling you, the, the enemy loves it. when you, Here's what the enemy loves he loves it when you just come to church on Sunday, sing some songs, hear some preaching, say something to my neighbor, and then go home. And 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 you don't serve in kids, you don't, you don't, you don't serve guest services, you don't, you don't serve with the prayer team, you don't serve in production, you don't serve, you don't serve anywhere in the church, and the enemy's like, I love that. He's just coming and sitting and soaking. Mm. He didn't care about you. He ain't gonna oppose you. He didn't care about you. He's like, you're right where I want you. you. You go and you don't do anything and you don't know, even know your neighbor's name. He loves that. You don't even know your neighbor's name. And he's like, I got him right where I want him. I'm not going to bother them. I'm not going to mess with them. You try to get to know your neighbor. Try it. Emmy's going to come after you. Try to do something in the workplace. Try to help somebody, enemy's going to come up against you. Like we saw this firsthand in Ethiopia. Like we, we, just in this recent trip, we're we're, we're getting on a plane and we we land in New York City, Laura and I do, and we're JFK and we're going to get on a plane and head to Ethiopia and we give them our passport and the guy says, okay, now do you have your visa? I said, what do you mean? He said, you got to have your visa. And I go, no, we'll, we'll fill it out when we get in-country. Any of you have ever flown internationally, it's what you do, and it's what I've always done, is you land in the country, you fill out the paperwork. What we didn't know is that just three weeks prior, Ethiopia had closed their borders and were no longer doing that and tightened their security, and the only way you could get a visa was online. I said, okay, well, just give me the website, I'll fill it out real quick. And he goes, sir, it takes three to five business days to get it. Uh, this is on a Thursday at JFK. Nine hours ahead, it's already Thursday night. The office in Ethiopia is already closed. So we fill out this e-visa thing. It takes like five days. Our conference is on Monday. If, if, we, we have to have, if it takes three to five days, the whole conference is up in smokes. So I say, hey, can we... Um, can we at least fly to Dubai and, and, and then wait and wait in Dubai? And they said, Yeah, you can fly to Dubai because you can do a, a, a visa on arrival there. And, and so they allowed us to fly into Dubai. And, and so we, we took this 12 and a half hour flight into Dubai. And I'm telling you, for 12 and a half hours, I am not sleeping. I'm I'm prayer sleeping. I'm I'm so overwhelmed thinking, if we don't get this, the whole conference goes up in smokes. All these pastors are counting on me. We spent thousands of dollars, and and now this thing is not going to happen. And then I'm blaming myself for my, my, my stupidity like, what is wrong with you, Brad? How did you not know this? I'm checking through emails, trying to figure out, how did I miss this step? What happened? It's, it's got to be my fault, and I couldn't find any anything. We land in Dubai. I, I check to see if our e-visa's been approved. Nothing. It's now Friday morning. We're sitting in the baggage claim, sitting on our bags, and I'm frantically making phone calls, trying to get a hold of somebody that could possibly help us. I documented I have it on my phone. I made 92 phone calls all day Friday. 92. I got a hold of one person all day, one. It was, it was the uh, Ethiopian embassy in Dubai, and the lady in broken English simply said this, go online, go online. I'm like, no, I, can I come to you? Can I come to you and get the visa? No, go online, go online. Hangs up on me. <laughs> I, I send out a couple of emails because I found some email addresses, and I sent those. Those came back undeliverable. So now we have to get a hotel room. It's a Friday in Dubai. The conference is on Monday, and, and, and it's three to five business days, and if we don't get it by 1.30 in the afternoon when their office closed, we are sunk, people. So we get a hotel room. We go to the hotel room, and I'm frantic. I, am, I can explain to you, you ever been so overwhelmed that your body's about to shut down? I mean, my body was physically shutting down. I was getting physically ill while this was happening. I mean, great man of God, but I, I am overwhelmed. Because I know this could all go up in smokes and what is happening right now. And then I suddenly realized, wait, this is spiritual warfare. This is spiritual. This ain't about the natural. This ain't about a visa. This is about an enemy that's trying to keep us from going and helping some people that desperately need it. This is about the gospel going out. So I got a hold of our prayer team. Come on, somebody. I got a hold of our prayer team. And And so I say to the prayer team, I'm like, hey, I need you to start praying. And, I, and then I just got a hold of people that, I mean, that, that pastor friends of mine. I got a hold of, of, of neighbors. I got, a hold of, I got a hold of guys on my basketball team. I got a Muslim. I know you're Muslim. I need you to pray. And I got everybody praying. And I get to the hotel, and, 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 no, and I'm checking my email every hour, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing. And then 1.30 comes and goes. Nothing. And I just fell asleep in utter exhaustion. And when I woke up, I don't know what it was, but God reminded me of of a time about 30 years ago when I was in a similar situation, a very hopeless situation for my family, and and I had nowhere to go. And and there's this old song, it's an old song, called Standing on the Promises. Uh, Some of y'all know that one. Uh, it's like, standing on the promises of God. It, it's kind of a cheesy song. <laughs> I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. Anyway, that, that's the song. And, and I sang it my whole life growing up. I mean, I just sang it and it came to my mind. And, and I remembered 30 years prior that um, I had done something that frankly was, went against everything that I'd been taught. And I 30 years ago when I was up against a wall and nothing else I could do, I, I took my Bible and, and I put it on the ground and I, I took off my shoes and I, and, I, and I stood on my Bible and cried out to God. And what you have to understand is I, 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 I would never do that because I was raised different than that. You, you, you hold this, this, this book in holy reverence. I mean, I won't put anything on my Bible. Nothing goes on top of my Bible. Because that's how I was taught, that's what I know, and I just want to have the uttermost respect for the word of God. I would never put it on the floor, never. That's just me, that's just how I, I operate with this. So God had reminded me of that, and, and, and I said, well, I got, I, I've tried everything. Why not? So I, I took my Bible and I, and I put it down on the ground. And um, I took off my shoes, and I just, as gently as I could, I, I just, I stood on. On his promises, and I, I I just, Laura was passed out in the bed, and I was at the foot of this hotel bed. I'm just looking at heaven and just begging god for mercy. There's nothing else I can do, god. I got off the bible and put my shoes back on and waited. And waited. Kept checking my email and nothing. Fell back asleep and woke up about 4:30. <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget laying in that bed, and I roll over, and I grab my phone off of the nightstand, and I just think, what the heck, I'll just try and look at it one more time. Why not? I've looked at it like 50 times today. And I look, and, and, I, and I look again, and I'm like, and in the header of the email, it says, E-Visa approved. E-Visa approved. E-Visa approved. I, I I mean, <laughs> I come up out of that bed, whoa, la, 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 la. <laughs> Laura's like, whoa, what's going on? We're going to Ethiopia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what has God put in your heart to do? I, for some of you, you have such a big vision of what you want to do. It just seems so much bigger than you. Can, can, can I tell you that you can stand on the authority of God's word? And, and don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you have to stand on your Bible. That's There's no magic in this. So you Don't just go home and go, well, Brad stood on his Bible, so I'm going to stand on my Bible and that's going to make it all happen. You're missing the point of what I'm trying to say. I'm talking about the authority of our God. I'm talking about the name of Jesus that, hey, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. And I knew this was a battle in the heavenlies this was a spiritual battle not a natural battle and I had all of our prayer warriors praying I'm telling you when we have our prayer team up here I don't know why some of y'all just go well I'm good I'm good Man, you should take advantage. I don't know why you don't fill out a prayer card. Well, I have a couple people praying for me. Why would you not have the warriors praying for you? Why would you not have the men and women that have the gift of intercession saying, I'm going to go to my knees for you? I knew I needed their prayers, and I think we just beat back the enemy in that moment. Collectively, as a force, came against the enemy and said, No, you're not going to win this. All right, got to stop. Stop. Uh, Stand, stand, or I'm going to keep preaching. Stand. So in verse 17, it says, when the, when the 72 disciples returned, say this with me, what? They, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. I, life's greatest joy is found in serving. I'm just telling you, serve and watch joy flow, flow out of you. This is what I saw in Ethiopia I especially saw this in our pastor, Pastor Emmanuel and his wife, Kia. They have a very, very modest home and a beautiful family. When I say modest, I mean he showed me his stove. His stove is a hot plate. He has a light bulb in his living room. No running water. A garden in the back that feeds his family. But he's so stinking happy. He's so full of joy. They servant serving in the shadows, and I'm just in awe of men and women like that. I'm not even worthy to walk in their footsteps, to be honest. It's so overwhelming. His wife, Kia. Some of you know this. His wife, Kia, was recruited to be on the Ethiopian uh, national soccer team. She could have played in the Olympics. But she gave it all up to, to serve in the shadows. They started a soccer ministry, or as they call it, football. And we got to visit the football ministry, and that's Kia. They started with like 20 kids, no resources. A soccer ball there costs $100, 100 US dollars for a soccer ball. But now they have over 100 kids that they are ministering to. What's keeping you from serving in the shadows? Serve in the shadows and watch the joy of the Lord overwhelm you. As we prepare for the sacraments and prayer, I asked Pastor Emmanuel if he would pray for us. You see Ivehoahe... Well, we paid in saying Iyissus Christus... church... Jigarge they saw you say... and as Halloween, they� buffer Jesus on Prophers comp Claude. They still have calls but can We hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you. Yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at CORE Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.